Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan, the podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in this episode, we will be discussing how to negotiate your job offer effectively to maximize your compensation. And joining me in this episode to help me with this discussion is Mark Hirschberg. He is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. So a quick intro about Mark. He has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups in Fortune 500s and in academia. He helped to start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At MIT, he received a Bachelor of Science in Physics, a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science, and a Master's in Engineering in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science, focusing on cryptography. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. Now let's get into my discussion with Mark on how to maximize your compensation with effective negotiation on your job offer. Thanks for coming on the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. The one thing I wanted to discuss with you today is negotiation from a job perspective. So one of the things that's not talked about a lot, especially if you're on LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, people want to talk about job search strategies, whether it's networking or resume writing. However, not a lot of people talk about what to do after you have the offer and whether when's the right time to negotiate. So I wanted to bring you on the show to discuss more about negotiation tactics and strategies and the negotiation mindset to get the best compensation package possible for your next career move. I understand from looking at your LinkedIn profile, you actually highlighted that the negotiation part of your book, if you use it properly, will actually pay for itself. So with that being said, I wanted to bring you on to just discuss this topic. Yeah, you know, when we think about negotiation, it's something we all know we're going to do, but we haven't been trained in it. And let's think about this from an ROI standpoint. If you go into your next job, you get an offer, let's say for $70,000 and you've done a little bit of negotiations, right? You've maybe taken a class, you read a book, you said, okay, I'm gonna try and negotiate this. So you bump that from 70,000 to 71,000, right? That's not a massive lift. You didn't do some incredible negotiation jujitsu. You just kind of said, hey, you know, I'm gonna gonna push a little, see if I can do better. So you got a thousand dollars more. Well, of course that instantly paid for the book or the class, but now, If you do nothing else in your career, if you sit in that job for the next 20, 30 years, what happens? You just earned an additional $20,000, $30,000. But of course, you're not going to stay in that one job for the rest of your career. You're going to have other jobs. You're going to have other promotions. You're going to negotiate those. You're going to get bigger raises, and that's going to be additive. So really, when you think about learning to negotiate, not being the world's greatest negotiator, but just learning how to negotiate a little bit better. This is literally going to add five figures, even six figures to your lifetime earnings. When you think about it this way, it is shocking that more people don't learn basic negotiation skills. Just to add to that, in terms of making your next career move, because again, no one stays at the same job forever. If you want to move around and increase their conversation. However, let's hypothetically speak, you have one person making 50K, this other person negotiated to go from 50K to 51. 
if they negotiate every time, they would, would be way ahead out of the guy that never negotiates. And also your next salary tends to be based off the current salary that you're making. Is that correct? Both true statements. And so, yes, it's your negotiations will typically be additive because we move up. And often they look at what you have and do a percentage increase or do a relative increase. And so it snowballs. And that's why even though we give the example of just the $1,000 over 20, 30 years, as you point out, really, it's going to be nonlinear in the growth. And that's how you're going to get really fantastic returns. And we're just talking right now about salary. There's so much more we can negotiate, not just in our compensation, but even as we work and prove ourselves to be more effective, more valuable to increase the rate of those promotions. Let's take a step back and go to the start. What are the biggest myths of negotiating to make people not want to negotiate their job offers? For job negotiations specifically, some people are afraid to negotiate because they think, oh, they're not going to like me. They're going to rescind the offer. This is going to set it off on the wrong tone. And you should not worry that way. A good boss, a good company recognizes you're likely to negotiate. Now, you don't want to be a jerk. You don't want to get this $50,000 job and then demand, no, I want 100 right? Something that's just way out of alignment with, uh, with the market. But if it's a $50,000 job and you want to try pushing for 55 or even 60 and you have a basis for that, it's worth asking. There is a very good negotiation book in which the author recommended your opening offer should be any offer you can make with a straight face, right? Anything where you feel, okay, this isn't just completely insane. I legitimately feel this might be a long shot, but hey, it's not totally unrealistic. It's acceptable to ask for that. Now, of course, you you want to do so politely, and we'll talk about techniques for how to do so effectively, but don't be afraid to negotiate, right? That famous line from Kennedy, never negotiate out of fear, but never fear to negotiate. It's worth taking that chance most managers, even if they say, look, this is fixed from corporate, my hands are tied, I don't have the budget, or I just you know, can't justify that, they're not going to say, oh, what a jerk. They're going to say, okay, I respect you for trying to negotiate. So do not be afraid to give it a try. Go and try and negotiate that job offer because the worst case is typically you're no worse off than before. Have you ever had, in your experience, or speaking with other career coaches, where a potential candidate actually lost a job offer because they negotiated? I haven't come across that. I can imagine, again, if you're being unrealistic, if you're being outrageous, if you're a jerk in how you're doing it, right? If you walk in and just shout and bang on the desk and say, I want $10,000 more, damn it, that's going to send a negative signal. But if you use proper negotiation techniques, and if you do it in a respectful, considerate way, I don't know of anyone who's lost a job simply by ne- trying to negotiate it. If you negotiate in good faith, then you shouldn't worry about getting your offer rescinded. Not at all. I don't know any company that's done that. And certainly if you think about it, companies don't want meek people who just say, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me. Companies, and I say this from my teaching at MIT, we get a lot of input from corporate America and they tell us what qualities they want in both new college grads and general. And they say, we want leaders. We want people who take initiative. Companies want people who will say, okay, hey, thanks for a great offer, but let me try and do better. Let me push for a little more. They want people who will push and take initiative. 
again, done respectfully. So I think that sends, if anything, a positive signal. Just a quick story about that. I actually negotiated my first offer at a university. I negotiated the salary and the job title. I didn't get the job title and the salary I initially wanted. He said no, but we met in the middle. And then I ended up going to one of his barbecues as a team event. And he talked to me in private. He said that he never had someone negotiate his salary proposal. So in a way, that helped me stand out as a good candidate. Great example, right? And so right from the start of your career, this is another example now. You did get monetary benefit that was going to last you your whole career, but you also set yourself up as being that go-getter. And he's going to see you now throughout the time you spent there as that go-getter. That's going to lead to more opportunities at that job. And then later, that's going to set you up for even better opportunities as you look for new jobs because you'll have had these great additional responsibilities, additional projects you've taken on before. So it's totally additive. 100%. It was just that proactive mindset. So I did very well at the company, multiple raises, multiple promotions. And then I ended up moving to this huge corporate telecommunication company in Canada and making a lot more than I did initially. So it's all about that mindset of like negotiating and just being proactive. And one thing when we enter these negotiations, so many people think of it as, okay, I'm negotiating against you. Right. And in particular, when we deal with a zero sum type of negotiation, which is what salary is. So zero sum means every extra dollar I give you is one less dollar you give that I keep in my pocket. Right. That's zero sum. There's a fixed pie and we just divide it. Now, most negotiations are not zero sum, but certainly salary is. And so we think about, okay, I know everything I take, I take from you. You obviously want to spend less. I want to get more. And so it feels confrontational. But even in a zero-sum negotiation, certainly in any type, you want the mentality that we are negotiating partners. I am not negotiating against you. I am negotiating with you because together we are going to reach an agreement. If it doesn't work for both of us, whether this is a job offer or any type of deal, if it doesn't work for both of us, it's not going to happen. And so it's only when we are happy that we have reached a negotiation agreement and we move forward together under this new agreement. So always think of the other person as your partner in negotiations. And it goes to that shifting the mindset of how you approach this and shifting the mindset of how you approach a negotiation is going to make you more open to possibilities, to finding solutions that makes everyone happy. When's a good time to negotiate? Obviously, when you apply for a job, the recruiter reaches out to you or even the hiring manager directly, depending on how big the company is. They'll do the standard screening questions. And then that dreaded question comes up that everybody expects, what salary are you looking for? What should you say at this time to not hinder your negotiation power when you do get the job offer? Let me back up with some negotiation theory before we get to that question. And it depends a little on your leverage. If you are just out of college, It means you don't have a lot of distinction or experience. There's literally thousands of other people who look just like you, right? They have the same degree, the same level of experience. And so it's harder for you to stand out, right? They know if you don't take this job, there's probably another candidate and another and another, especially if you're in a major city or applying to some large company that gets thousands of applicants. On the other hand, when you are later in your career, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, Now you have a unique path. And sure, there are other candidates. They have different unique paths, but they're similar. 
But depending on where you're located, depending on the company, if you're a biotech PhD in Alaska, there's a lot fewer of them than if you're some brand new communications grad living in New York City, right, where you're a dime a dozen. So you'll have to recognize where are you in terms of that uniqueness and negotiation leverage that you might have. So let's assume it's it's non-zero. You're not just that right out of school where, you know, the number is the number they're going to give you. If you don't take it, they'll find someone else. Let's assume you have some uniqueness. So somewhere late 20s, 30s, 40s. At this point, my answer is I don't have any salary requirements. I do have compensation requirements. And yeah, I'm happy to talk to you about that. So when you're ready to share what the compensation is like, we can talk about what my requirements are, right? Because compensation is a combination of your salary, your bonus, potentially stock options, other benefits, vacation, flexibility, work from home, job title, all these other aspects of the job. Most people in general, if you ask them and say, would you rather a really boring job that pays you $120,000 a year, or do you love a job that's challenging, has a great impact on the world, but it's only paying $110,000 a year? Most people would opt for that $110,000, right? Unless you're saying I'm burdened with student debt or I have a lot of family obligations I need every dollar. Most of us would say, look, it's not about getting every dollar. I do care about challenging work, good coworkers, having an impact. And so when they reduce it just to salary, it's taking away the other things that we find valuable. From a negotiation standpoint, one of the misconceptions is that when you're negotiating multiple things, it gets harder. In fact, it gets easier because if we are trading off just salary, right? If you're saying you want 100 and I want 120, you know, all we do is you give me more dollars and you're saying I want to give you fewer dollars. And it's just very straightforward. On the other hand, if we're negotiating two issues, maybe I care about working from home. And so, yeah, I want $120,000, but also I'd love to work from home one day a week, maybe because that's the day you know, my nanny is off or the kids aren't in school. It'd be really great. And in fact, if you're saving me from hiring the nanny, right? how much money am I saving by not having that nanny? That's real dollars to me. So if I can trade off, okay, I don't need that 120. I'm willing to take less because being able to work from home has value to me. And if you're a small company and you say, yeah, you know what? If you're not here one day a week, hey, I can live with that. That's not a problem given how we work. Sure. And so you can trade off one from another. And that actually makes negotiation easier because it opens up a range of possibilities. So this is why you never want to talk about your salary requirements. You want to talk about your compensation requirements. So when a recruiter says, how much are you, are you looking for? You don't actually give a number. You pivot it in a way that you said in terms of, I look at my total compensation, not just salary. Yeah, look, my, my number is, if you want me to work in Iowa in some boring job, I live in New York City. I like being in the city. You want me to work in the cornfields of Iowa, my number is going to be a million dollars, right? I'll, I'll move there. It's not a place I'm excited about living. I'm sure it's lovely. It's just not for me. So it's going to take a million dollars. I'm going to work for less than a million dollars if it's in New York City, right? Depending on all these other factors, my number will actually change. And that's true of all of us. We're just not used to articulating it. So it really doesn't make sense to give a number until you know a lot more about the company. Now, they're going to say, oh, okay, well, I can tell you the company you know, does this or that. And sure, it's helpful. In my world, I do a lot of tech startups. 
okay, knowing are you an A round company, a B round, D round company? What are the stock options looking like? That's relevant to me. But even beyond that, I really need to know more about, do I believe in the product? What are the people like who I'm going to be working for? I care very much about corporate culture, about my coworkers, about learning from them. The recruiter can't possibly articulate that. They can tell me, here's their funding, here's their size, maybe even here's their revenue. And that's helpful, but they can't really have me understand the corporate culture or how great the coworkers are or what my day-to-day will be like. And that's an important part of the job. So it really doesn't make sense to have that negotiation or have that discussion early on with one caveat. What the recruiter is really trying to do at that point is do some basic filtering. So again, in my industry, I get a lot of calls for CTO jobs because I work as a CTO. And when it's an early stage company and they say, oh yeah, we can pay, you know, 175,000. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hire engineers for more than that. So um, I'm going to clue you in my salary is more than that. It's not like, well, we're close and we might be able to come up with something. We're just not even in the ballpark. And of course, that's what the recruiter is trying to do. You're going to have to use your own judgment as to whether this needs to be some filtering issue of you need to figure out, are they going to meet your salary expectations? The recruiter is trying to do the same thing. But if you're generally working within what is a normal salary range for your role and area, it probably shouldn't be an issue unless the company is paying significantly below that range. Absolutely. So a lot of people don't want to disappoint the recruiter and they try to lowball themselves. But I think personally, what's the minimum number you want to take that you're happy with and just go with that? Like, don't worry about like trying to please the recruiter. What are you happy with? Because if you lowball yourself and you get the offer, you're not going to enjoy working there, right? Absolutely. You can approach this if you really feel you have to give a number. You can say, well, my number is this and go high, but I could potentially come down if it's an amazing culture, if I love the product, if, if, if. So you can set yourself on the high side of the range, but give room to come down with a face-saving approach. You could also say, well, look, I'm willing to go down as low as this, But that assumes this is the most amazing, magical place. It's going to feel like walking into Disneyland every day. Yeah, I'm willing to take that low number. My guess is you're probably not going to feel like Disneyland every day. So the number is going to be higher than that. How much higher? That depends on how unlike Disney you are. You can pick an area of the range. You can go high or low. But you want to also set that expectation of, I can do this number under these circumstances And as these circumstances change, that number is going to change. Now, unfortunately, the recruiters will just hear the number. But when you come back to them, you can you can remind them, remember, there's that little asterisk. There is this number was conditional. And you just want to make sure they don't submit that number to the company before you've had more information. This is great insight. So as as an example, let's say I'm a marketing manager. I apply for this job at this company. This recruiter reaches out to me saying, hey, what's your salary range? And I said, well, I really want to make 80K. However, if you give me work from home flexibility, I will consider a lower offer. Is, is that a good example of what you're trying to say? Yeah, that's a, that's a great example. And you could say if you're open to work from home or depending on the work flexibility, vacation policy, other aspects, I can come down. You want to kind of make it broad to give yourself that flexibility. Or if it really is just work from home, you say like, this is what matters to me. Then yeah, lay that out early on. Great. So let's say that the recruiter likes you, 
you pass the screening. Now you go into the real meat of the interview process with the hiring manager. You don't negotiate anything during the interview process. It's only when you get the written job offer, not even verbal, just written, right? Like, What's the good point where you can start negotiating what you want? You definitely want to wait until you have the job offer. It doesn't make sense to negotiate ahead of time. This is also, this is when they want you the most. This is when you have the maximum leverage because they said, yes, I want you. And you say, hold on, not so fast, right? It's the paradise by the dashboard light moment. It's okay to do this with a verbal. Most companies do because, okay, we have to send you a written and then change that document. I think it's totally fine if it's a verbal offer or if they just send an email, not the formal offer, just say, hey, we're thinking of these numbers. Because at that point, they have in good faith made an offer and you can start going back and forth. They're Again, they're not going to pull the offer just because of the negotiations. And if by some strange twist of fate, they are going to pull the offer, the fact that it was written or not doesn't make a difference. And if it was written and you could hold them to it, do you want to work for a company that would then pull the offer on you? So verbal is totally fine. So wait till you get the verbal offer and then you can come back and begin to negotiate it. Okay. And most of my audience, they only care about negotiating salary, but we'll talk more about additional stuff you can negotiate. So let's say hypothetically, let's go back to the marketing manager example. I do get my 80K. I got what I wanted. Can I still negotiate at that point? And what's the percentage increase that I could ask without going overboard? This is going to really depend on a number of factors, right? It's your unique experience, what the market conditions are like. Obviously, if the economy is doing well or poorly, what their alternatives are. Are there a lot of people like you readily available to this company that they know they can just take the next person? Or are you unique and hard to find because you have some rare skill set? that it's going to take them longer to find. This is all going to factor into the amount of leverage you have. You can also, you, you said, you know, most people are interested only in their, in their salary, but really this is limiting for a few reasons. One is again, salary is that zero sum. And in fact, the hiring manager might be constrained. The hiring manager might be told by corporate listen, you've got a range, maybe it's 80 to 85 for this job, or don't go above 85. And so she's wanting to negotiate with you if you want to push it up. Yeah, she's got flexibility 85. Above that, she has none. On the other hand, she also may have, say, a pool of training dollars. So even if she wanted to go above 85 for you, nope, it's set by corporate. She's not authorized to do that. But she has all these training dollars. So what happens if you were saying, you know, I really want to work on this particular skill. I was going to probably go take some course at a local college. Well, if she can offer you tuition reimbursement for that, then all of a sudden you just got $2,000, $3,000 paying for this. And of course, that's tax-free, right? That's the company paying for it. So in fact, or I, I'm not a tax expert, check with the, your accountant on that. But in fact, if you think of that as post-tax dollars, it might have an effective amount of money of $3,000, even $5,000, and that might be closer to the $90,000 you wanted, right? And if you're saying, you know, if I take this course, it's going to help me negotiate better in the future if it's a negotiation class, or it's going to help me be a better marketer or be a better leader, you know this is going to translate into more money down the road. 
So are you really concerned about trying to get a few thousand dollars more today if instead you get something that is valuable, maybe not direct monetary value, but that's going to set you up to be more effective and get larger compensation later? That is a well worthwhile trade-off, even if it's not salary today. This is some great insight, Mark. And let's go focus on this training dollar uh, topic. So there's obviously salary you can negotiate. There's training dollars, uh, education dollars for your self-improvement. What other stuff can you negotiate besides those two that you can consider in terms of pitching them your type of compensation? There's a long list. Uh, We'll just focus on a few of the more common ones. So obviously, there's your salary, potentially a bonus. You could have written in a bonus minimum in some cases, or potentially how big a bonus you can get. You can also negotiate stock options if it's a startup company. Now, note with something like stock options, the policy around how they are given to you, the timing around it is usually fixed at a corporate level. So typically with stock options, it's a four-year vest with a one-year cliff. That means the first quarter of your options vest after a year and the rest vest over the following three years. It is unlikely the company is going to say, oh, but for you, we're going to waive the cliff or you get all yours in three years. That's really hard for them to do because there are legal reasons about how they have to treat all the options the same. However, the number of options, that can be negotiated. And usually companies, while they have good guidance on what the salary is, right? Here's the salary bands that we want to pay in. They're typically not as focused on having equivalent bands for their stock options. So there's a lot more room to negotiate. I had one of the undergrads I teach. He came to me, said, hey, I've got this job offer for summer internship. I want to negotiate. What do I do? We talked about what we're talking about here on on this podcast. I said, look, stock options are always a way they can go. And especially for the early stage startups, they're very cash tight. I said, try doing more stock options. And it came back to me later that day and said, wow, that went great. I asked, they doubled my stock options. Now, I'm not going to guarantee you're going to automatically get doubled, but there's usually a lot more flexibility there. Of course, stock options... Again, I'm not an accountant or lawyer, but my advice to anyone doing startups, assume your stock options are basically lottery tickets. Don't put a lot of value onto them. You can also potentially negotiate certain flexibility. Work from home, I think, is going to be a very big one coming up. One thing to keep in mind about things like work from home, we think, okay, well, this doesn't cost the company anything, right? If I work from home, assuming... I can do my job from home. And now we have a lot of information saying that you can, you know, why should the company care? And let's pretend this is a company, we have no idea what the post COVID world will be like, but let's pretend it's a company where they just are used to having everyone in the office and that's the the plan. So if you work from home once a week, you're right. It doesn't really cost the company anything. Or if you say, look, I'm going to do two weeks where I go visit my family off somewhere else. I'm going to do two weeks remote. Yeah, there's no direct immediate cost to the company. On the other hand, if you do this, if you say, look, I want to work from home Fridays, well, the next person says, hey, I want to work from home Fridays. And then someone else says, well, I want to work from home Mondays. Oh, well, I want to do Tuesdays. And then all of a sudden, on any given day, oh, wait, who's in today? Can we hold the meeting? No, wait, Carol's out. But she's in Thursday, right? Oh, but is Bob in Thursday? And it becomes a mess. And while there's no direct financial cost, there is some level of 
corporate fairness that HR has to be careful of that. Why do all the people of this race or gender seem to get to work from home and not those? Or people coming in at different times or different days, and just makes it harder to manage. So there can be secondary costs, even if it's not a linear monetary cost. So be aware of that when you come to some of these other issues. This all sounds great, Mark, but how do I actually negotiate? You discussed earlier about treating your hiring manager or whoever is working the job offer with you, treat them as a partner. So how, how do I negotiate? Do I set up a phone call? Do I do it through email? How many things can I negotiate before it gets too much? What are some tips and strategies to negotiate that job offer for maximum compensation? You can do email or phone call, whatever is more comfortable. Some like to do it by phone some face-to-face, some prefer email where you don't have that kind of direct, I'm in the room and get a little nervous, how are they going to respond? So any is acceptable. The important thing you asked about how much you can, how many different things you can negotiate, it's all on the table, but you want to be upfront about it. You don't want to say, okay, let's negotiate my salary. Great. Okay, now let's negotiate my vacation. Great. Now let's negotiate my stock options. You don't want to do that for two reasons. One, it's a pain, right? And if you're like, okay, what next? You want to say up front, let's negotiate these few things. Here's what's on the table. I'm okay of the seven things you offered. I'm okay with my vacation time. I'm okay with you know, which days I'm in the office, but I'd like to talk about my salary and stock options, right? So you want to say up front where you're okay and what you want to negotiate because you don't want to have it drag out, but also... It's because you're going to negotiate this all at once, as we said before, because you're going to trade off one from the other. You're going to say, well, look, I really wanted, you offered me 80,000. I really wanted you 90. You're saying you can't go above 85. Okay, look, I'll take the 85. I'm okay with that. But to do the 85, I really need you to do a little better on the stock options, right? And so you're trading off one for the other. That's why you want to negotiate it all at once. Okay, and... Usually, when you do this negotiation, they're not going to say yes right away. They say, okay, let me get back to you and you talk to HR or let me talk to the director. And then there will be this waiting period, this silent treatment, so to speak. Should you wait or should you follow up? Like, what's the process? Typically, you're going to wait. Sometimes they can respond on the spot. Again, if they've been authorized to go up to 85 and you ask for 83, they can usually respond right away and say, okay, 83 done. If they do have to run it by HR or someone else, yeah, they're going to go do that. It might take a day or two. Really depends on the company. Some, like you can literally walk over because the HR person is 10 feet away from you. Other times, oh, well, the HR person is out for the rest of the week. So I've got to wait till she's back before I can ask her. So be a little patient understanding. Typically, even if it's taking a few days, even if you do this on Wednesday and now it's the following Monday and you haven't heard back, don't be nervous. It just might be it's taking a while for them to get to catch the person who, who does the approval. It could even be at that point you've triggered an HR. They say, hey, you know what? Maybe we should have defined salary bands. Say, OK, before we do this offer, quick, let's do it. Well, now we have to get the CFO and the founder and all these other people to do a meeting. And this could be set up. If it goes more than, let's say, about five business days, At that point, it's okay to reach out and say, just want to check in. Do you have any questions, any issues? Can I provide more information? I think that's okay. But if it's two, three, even four business days, try to be patient. I know it can be nerve wracking, 
but you want to be calm. You want to go in with the mentality, of course they want me. They're just scrambling to try and figure out how they can get me. Don't go in with a fear of, oh my God, they're not responding. Okay, maybe I should start lowering my offer. That's going to undercut your position. Yeah, a lot of people get nervous when there's this live treatment because they assume, oh, I'm not hearing back. Are they thinking about rescinding my offer? But I want to rest assured with my audience that that's not the case. They're just going through all the logistics and getting the right people to approve it. Yeah, you never know what's happening inside the company. And again, I've been as someone who's hired hundreds of people. Sometimes I'm really fast in responding. Literally, I'll respond five minutes after their email and go, great, I can agree to that. Done. I'll get your offer sent over. And sometimes I have to catch other people and this can take literally days and it has nothing to do with the candidate. It just has to do with what's going on. Could even be something just happened at the company. All of a sudden, the biggest client just left, right? Or a key person on your team announced that he's leaving. And now you're scrambling doing other things while you're still trying to catch the HR person who might have fires of her own she's trying to put out. You just never know. And as a candidate, you have no insight. Assume the best. Do not panic or worry. It usually has nothing to do with you. That's very reassuring, Mark. And I want to end this discussion with one last topic. Let's say you land the job, you negotiated, and you got the job offer. You worked there for a year. Your UN review comes up. When's a good time to talk about like raises and maybe reorganizing your compensation package because it's one of those things like once you start working at a company they're not really going to give you as high of a raise as they did when in during the initial job offer process there's usually a very small percentage so how do you bring this up with your manager in terms of hey i've been working here for like a year or two years i would like to review my compensation like how's the best way to go about it and how do you effectively do it to uh, get what you want you want to prepare before your review when you go and think about what you want Think about why you deserve it. Because at the end of the day, I don't care what you want. I care about what you're delivering and then making sure you're compensated for that delivery. Just because you want more money doesn't mean you deserve it. But when you can show this is what I've done, it gets easier. And one thing I recommend everyone should do, especially when you have annual reviews, it's hard to remember. It's December now and you go in and you want to talk about what a great job you did. It's like, yeah, remember back in February, that project? I think I did a good job. Instead, what you want to do is keep a log, whether you do this weekly or monthly. Just say at the end of each month, jot down a couple notes about stuff you did, right? Oh, I worked late all of the second week of this month because I was helping out Sarah on this project because we had a big deadline. I knew she was going to have trouble getting it done. It was just dumped in her lap. But I stepped up. I put in a lot of extra time and effort to help her didn't help me, but I'm a good team player. So you want to make a note of that because this happened back in February. You want to talk about when you had that brilliant insight on the project in April and you came up with a really great marketing campaign and that delivered far better than the client expected. Make sure you note that. Note, hey, we delivered this and the client was expecting that. So our numbers were even better. And this way, when you go into your review in December and you say, hey, listen, you know, it's our annual review. Thank you for the feedback you've given me. I'd like to talk to you about increasing my compensation. And here's why. Look at all the awesome stuff I did. Not just remember I worked hard in February, but oh, I stayed late five days this week. I didn't just do a good job on that campaign. Here's literally how well I did, right? You want to have the evidence with you. 
don't expect your manager to on the spot then say, okay, yes or no to what you're asking for. He or she will need to say, let me take this into consideration. They're going to have to look at how much they can give you versus other people, what the company allows them to do. They might need to go to HR or finance for approval. So recognize here again, it might take a couple of days for them to get back to you. But you want to go in armed with the evidence of why you deserve this. That's awesome, Mark. What is one piece of advice that you can provide to job seekers out there or people in careers that they haven't had their conversation reviewed in a while? What's your one piece of advice in terms of being proactive to getting that conversation you want, whether it's a job seeker looking for the next opportunity or someone that's happy where they are, but they just want a little bit more compensation? Make sure you understand and can articulate your value to the company. Because again, I don't care what you say you want. I want a million dollars for my jobs. Doesn't matter. They don't care that I want that. They're going to pay me what is justifiable. And that's based on my work and market conditions. So make sure you understand the value that you are delivering to the company. And then you can justify that raise based on that value. That's great, Mark. Thanks for uh, ending it off on that note. How can people find you online and what type of projects do you want people to know about? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. And this book, it's based on some of my teaching at MIT and elsewhere. It has a chapter on negotiation, including how to negotiate a job offer. Also chapters on networking, leadership, how to figure out the value you're delivering to your company, how to plan your career, All these skills are going to help you maximize your income and get the most out of your career. So this is all covered in the book. You can get at Barnes & Noble's, Amazon, your local bookstore. If you go to the website and click the buy button, you can see all the places. There's also a number of free resources on the website, including additional negotiation books if you want to get even better at this, books for other types of skills that we talk about in my book, and there's a free app. Because I know whenever you read a book like this, you forget three weeks later. You go, there There are some good points, but you're on to something else. And what this does, it's a free app that reinforces the teachings in the book. It's just once a day, it pops up for about three seconds. It's like a daily affirmation, but reinforces what you've learned. You can also open it up. So if you're about to go into a job negotiation or any other of the types of events that we talk about in the book, you can open it up and quickly swipe through all the tips to get a crash course right before you need it. So that as well, you can get in the Apple and Android stores, but it's linked from the website. So if you go to the careertoolkitbook.com, you can find all that or you can get in touch with me. Well, this is an awesome discussion, Mark. I really appreciate you talking about negotiation. This will definitely help my audience, whether they're a job seeker or someone in their career looking to elevate their compensation. So again, appreciate the time, Mark, and best of luck in your venture. Thank you for having me and best of luck to the audience as you continue on your careers and try to maximize your overall compensation. After listening to my discussion with Mark on effective negotiation on your job offer, there should be no reason for you not to ever negotiate. Because as long as you are reasonable with your negotiation, even if they say no, your offer will not be rescinded. And if you don't negotiate, you could be losing between five to six figures in lifetime earnings. Again, as we mentioned in our discussion, salary is not the only thing that can be negotiated in your job offer. You can negotiate training dollars, stock option, and work flexibility. Those are some common ones. But if you do some research on your own, there are probably other stuff that you can negotiate as well. And if you're currently working 
and looking to make more money or increase your compensation in other ways, the best tip that we can provide you is keep a log of your accomplishments. So when it is time to review your performance, you have a lot of data that can build your case on why you should deserve an increase in compensation. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And if you found this topic on negotiation helpful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect or follow me on LinkedIn, where I post daily content on topics such as career advice, job search, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time.